It's showtime here on Box Office Quarterbacks, and we're talking about the Showtime Lakers today. I'm Ryan Schmelz, joined by Jeffrey Gordon and Gerald Tracy. What's up, guys? What's up, Ryan? Uh, it has been a very eventful week here at Box Office Quarterbacks. We are through our Marvel stuff, and I'm happy to be talking about winning time again. Ended on a, a very strong note, I thought. Yeah, I'm actually really excited to get into the multiverse of uh, Lakers basketball since this is going to be a cinematic universe now, right? Yes. That's how we're doing things? I hope That's how so. We do? I hope so. With different sports dynasties, right? <laughs> anyway, so I if you haven't figured it history. out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> well, if you haven't figured out yet, we are talking about the HBO series Winning Time, which is coming back for season two, but just wrapped up season one which covered the first year of the Showtime Lakers dynasty. Obviously, um, there will be a lot of historical fact checks going on and a lot of real-life characters who are still alive being depicted who did not like the representation or friends and family who did not like the representation. But I think we're also, we might get into that a little bit, but mainly we're going to focus on the quality of show that we got. And I think for the most part, this has been received uh, critically and by audiences as a success. Yeah, I love this show through and through. It wasn't until probably the end of the series, the last two episodes, where I actually did look up real life events because I I was like, there is no way that this really happened in real life the way they're putting it on screen. But I'd give it an eight out of 10, honestly. I would say the first thing that comes to mind when I think about the show was the first of all, like what, what sold you immediately watching the trailer was the cast. I mean, it just, they keep hitting you with more and more big stars playing big time historical figures. The fact that we got Adrian Brody playing uh, Pat Riley, we have John C. Riley playing Jerry Buss. We have Sally Fields playing Jerry Buss's mother. Uh, it really just it, we could go on and on and on about all the big time uh, casting roles. But then you also have an up and comer playing Magic Johnson. But I think just through and through, the, this cast was really phenomenal. And and I think a lot of these actors and actresses brought their A game. Yeah, they really did a good job of weaving those stories together because you you go from Jerry Buss buying the team at the beginning of the series and you have Magic Johnson just getting drafted by the Lakers and the way they had those stories intersect. That's just great writing, honestly, just to put that many characters on screen and to really give a lot of them moments to shine. I mean, even down to characters like Jack McKinney and even Michael Cooper, you, you get little moments to shine uh, throughout the series. And I really like that about this show as well. Yeah. I, I was really impressed with how many character arcs they had here. And and I think, you know, you got some like Pat Riley's character arc, obviously uh, Magic Johnson played by Quincy Isaiah, his arc there. You have Jerry West has a really complete character arc as well. Uh, there were really a lot of a lot of stories that had, I think, complete uh, arcs from beginning to end within just this first season. And now they're going into season two. There's so much more uh, still to go here. Yeah, and I really just love Quincy Isaiah, Magic Johnson, and um, excuse me, uh, Solomon Hughes, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Their relationship, their chemistry, and everything. Excuse me, my mic was messed up. Their relationship and chemistry, everything. I think really poured on screen. I I really enjoyed watching the evolution of it from um the like 
Magic really trying to get Kareem to embrace him and embrace the culture he was trying to bring to the Lakers. To even though Kareem wasn't in that game, he very much felt a part of the team watching that game from afar. Um, I, the whole that that arc right there is like the really probably one of the number one arcs for me throughout the entire show. Yeah, and if you haven't uh, watched the show yet or just haven't used Google and figured out how the first season ends, we'll try to avoid as many spoilers for this first couple minutes as possible. But um, it, it really, uh, the show's been really well-received, I think, and, and obviously it's been renewed for season two. Uh, you have to think, though, this is the, the budget for this show. I would have to think it probably goes more to casting than anything else. I, I was expecting a lot of really, really epic basketball matchups i would say we probably didn't get as much basketball as we thought we would um i still think there's some really good basketball sequences but i feel like most some of the best basketball takes place on on the practice court uh or outside the, the main arenas um and, and then i think a lot of this is really just the characters kind of carrying the, the show and, and and taking advantage of the script yeah and but kudos to the basketball sequences and everything around those because they perfectly recreated the Great Western Forum, almost down to a T. And they did a lot of that through green screen and everything, but honestly, I couldn't tell. Uh, The basketball obviously is secondary, and like you said, Ryan, the characters and just all the the story that they pack in there is why you're really tuning into this show. If I mean, if you're not a fan of basketball, I think you're still going to like this show. Uh, like, like my wife didn't know anything about the, the Showtime Lakers or, um, you know, Pat Riley or anybody like that. And she loved this show. So I think for the casual fan, this is still a great story uh, for you to watch on screen. And um, not to tell Eric's words, but to piggyback off of Jeff's thing, um, I know NBA fans are a very passionate group. Believe me, I'm an OKC fan living in Seattle. So, like, not wanting to watch a show because you're not a Lakers fan, I get it. But, like, I I hate the Lakers. And this show made me just I, – I don't know if I'd say I like them. But, like, it just – it was a very fun show. I love this this Lakers in this show. Um, you know, you pull for them. You root for them. They're great. Their, care, their chemistry. Um, yeah, some of it may not be completely historical accurate, but that's what you're going to get in kind of a – what is it? A biopic of these sorts, correct? Um, I, this is a show I think is a must watch and just another reason we've continued to see HBO max really step up in the past six months or so. Yeah. And I think the thing too, is, you know, number one, I, I usually expect greatness with HBO. And of course you're always gonna have those people just point to the last season of game of Thrones and be like, ah, well, HBO really dropped the ball on that, even though, you know, we got seven phenomenal seasons leading up to that. Uh, but what I think really stands out to me is that we really haven't gotten a show like this. And, and what I mean is that, you know, number one, you don't really get too many sports uh, entertainment, anything that's usually R rated. Uh, you know, we think any given Sunday comes to mind. There's a couple other shows and movies here and there, but this is, you know, an unadulterated, uncensored look into professional basketball. I believe the playmakers was the show that was on ESPN, which is supposed to be like a look inside professional football, even though all the football teams were, were fictionalized the way that they were on any given Sunday. But this is, you know, you know, kind of like it's an R rated show about professional basketball. It's not one that you want to be watching with your kids, 
but I think there are always questions. It's kind of like how we saw superhero movies like, oh man, there's no way a rated R superhero movie would ever work. But you know, we're getting a rated R basketball show and it's been a tremendous success. Yeah. So, so this is kind of like what ballers on HBO wanted to be because they got the license from the NFL and they got to use real teams. But this is just so much better and based on something historical or as historical as you can get. And honestly, they picked a great era to adapt on screen. The Showtime Lakers and the Celtics were a battle all throughout the 80s. And then you have the rise of Michael Jordan uh, in like 83 and 84. The the possibilities of the show are endless right now. Oh, absolutely. And like, like you mentioned with Ballers, I, I love, I actually like Ballers and I like Dwayne in that, uh, Rock Johnson in that. But um, I think the difference here is like when you look at the main character, because really we look a lot of this through John C. Riley's eyes as uh, Jerry Buss, I think he is by far superior and has a better, just a better on camera presence as Jerry Buss in this. Um, and as you mentioned, like this is a perfect era to start it because we do get that rated R. And this is really the first time you start seeing sports and celebrities become that more rated R type thing in the public image. I mean, you saw with Kareem um, his resistance against Magic's ways early on in the series um, to where they start becoming more more fun, more, um, I guess, rated R. What I think I really like too is that I think this show really did balance showing the flaws of these characters but also showing their positives too. I think that when when you have these these R-rated series, you want to just make it like, oh, everybody's just it's everybody's got the dark side to them, and it's like they're no one's redeemable. Kind of like I guess I'm trying to think of a series that might come to mind. Maybe like The Sopranos or Breaking Bad, where everyone's an anti-hero. But this one, it was kind of like, no, the, most of these people are good people with just serious flaws that you see come out because you're in high pressure situations, and you know when millions of dollars and billions of dollars are on the line, it's a, it can bring out the best and the worst in people. So I think that you kind of have that good balance of, of not vilifying a lot of these, these great characters, but, but showing also how strong they are and their flaws. Yeah, 100%. And honestly, they picked a great group of actors to, to portray these characters. Like Gerald said, Quincy Isaiah is, like a clone of Magic Johnson. He's just charismatic. And he, I honestly thought I was watching Magic on screen like a million times watching this. And you look up any members of the cast and it's just like, you, you know, it's just stunning how close they really got to the real people in this show. Now, I might stand corrected here, though, because I think there are two people who were kind of vilified in this show. Um, and that would be. Red Auerbach and Larry Bird. So I'm a, I I would say that there's anybody who's going to be complaining. It's definitely going to be Celtics fans. Yeah, we, we got to ask Eric about that one. Uh, Larry Bird, they play as just kind of an asshole. It, it's pretty funny to see on screen. He's always had he always has like a Miller light in his hand and he just like doesn't care. I really did like the Larry Bird scenes, though. And how do we feel about how often this show breaks the fourth wall? This is definitely a, a style of of, of um, 
Adam McKay. It, it's something that we are we see him do quite a lot in his series. I think when it comes to a, a, a show that we're taking professional basketball and it is supposed to be funny at the same time, I think this works. And I think I said this when we first did a review on this show. I think Adam McKay's style works better for a game like basketball and a series about basketball in LA than it does maybe for like some of his other stuff, especially pertaining to politics, maybe. Yeah. Like it's almost like in LA um, where you're going to be more flashy and funny and try to do things out of the norm compared to like, you know, this was a show about the Boston Celtics and Larry Bird. It might be a little more buttoned up and everything, but I think the way driver directed this just almost demands the fourth wall breaks because some of this, like, I don't know, man, like they, it just, it, I think, I feel like it's threaded into the storyline when they do do them. Cause it's not too much in my opinion, but um, it's almost like, like when John C. Riley does them, it's almost always after he's doing something in almost like you can tell it's a deliberate way. Like he's trying to show off, trying to show off that flashy LA lifestyle and then turns around and just goes like, watch this and then does it. And I, I, I absolutely loved it. I, I thought it was great. Yeah. I honestly wish there was more, of it towards the end of the the first season. We got a lot of it the first three episodes for sure, but uh, it kind of went away until the, the end of the last episode. So that that's something I would like to see a little bit more in the second season, I think. All right. So I think we are ready to break, do Jeff's favorite part of the show, break the spoiler wall, and we can go into spoilers of the show. And go into any scene that st- stood out to you that was some of your favorite scenes from the show. Maybe just do one each and then go from there. Start with Jeff. Yeah, so w- the first the scene that really does stand out to me, it's like the really the last night that Jeannie Buss and Jerry Buss and uh, Jerry's mom spend together and they break into their old uh, stomping grounds. They're just drinking beers by the pool and then it gets into a really deep conversation between Jerry and his mom. That's just one of many scenes where Adam McKay really knows how to pack on the emotion of this series. And then everything that transpires after with her going into the hospital and eventually, you you know, dying from, um, you, you know, her illness. I thought the end of that whole episode where that happened was very, very strong. And, Great acting by all three of those actors on screen. I would say my favorite episode is when they brought Larry Bird into the show. I thought that, first of all, the basketball, that was probably one of the stronger basketball sequences in the entire series. And that whole game just had a whole arc. And plus, they really built up the introduction of Larry Bird. They made it as epic as it should have been. Because we all knew it was coming at some point. We're all wondering when Larry Bird was finally going to appear. And when he finally did, it just had so much hype to it. And it was so much fun. But I think there's a couple scenes that really, really stood out to me. And it's just so crazy that, you know, when it's a basketball show, you'd think it would be a basketball-related scene. But it's it's some of these, these one-on-one conversations between these characters that really stood out to me. I think one is I love the episode where... Magic kind of builds this relationship with Dr. J. And then the episode ends with Philadelphia just destroying the Lakers and Dr. J going off. And then Jerry West ends the episode by walking into the locker room and having a a one-on-one conversation with Magic Johnson. 
and they talk about how Jerry West didn't want to draft magic and and all this stuff that went into into the decision and kind of the relationship that they have. And I believe it ends with magic kind of confessing how much he wants to win to Jerry West. And he, he says, do you think we have what it takes? And then he says, we're about to find out. And that's how the episode ends. Um, but another one to me was also when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar pulls Magic Johnson into his car before the championship game. And he talks about how just this guy with all this energy showed up into the locker room and just changed how he, how he saw everything. And he said, you owe me one more and kind of gave magic that motivation to go out and win the, win the NBA championship. But then also, I think that that episode where cream gets hurt and he gets taped up in the locker room and Pat Riley's trying to find ways to get him back on the court. And his wife comes in and kind of says, you don't, you don't have to do this. Like you've given enough to this game. And he just says, no, this time it's different. And that was just such a complete character arc there because you just see Kareem where he's kind of didn't really seem as motivated at the beginning of the show. And by the end of it, it's just all changed. And I thought, as, as Gerald said, Kareem's arc is one of the strongest parts of the show. And especially towards the end, you were just, it, it, it had me just into it. And I was so, so captivated. All those scenes are actually some of the ones I was planning on talking about, and I absolutely love them. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and go with another one. It's actually um, really a two-parter. The scene in the locker room during halftime of the uh, final of Game Six, uh, when the I guess the intern or someone came up to give Magic Johnson the numbers of how much he'd lost a rookie record, um, rookie of the year award, and then when was it with like a minute and a half left in the fourth quarter? Um, Pat Riley finally decides that's when he's going to let it go because he can see his team is needs that last fresh um, breath of fresh air. And I think it's, it's great because you see the, the trigger in magic Johnson, but you also kind of see that trigger in Pat Riley, as you mentioned, Ryan, that you saw in an earlier scene, but um, like this is Pat Riley going from being the assistant coach to be, getting on the road, at least to becoming that hall of fame coach that we all know he is today. Right. Yeah, oh, Pat Riley. oh yeah, go ahead, Ryan. I just love that because I, I, I th- when when he first hands it to him, you think, oh, he's just going to throw it away, and and that you just like, oh, numbers don't matter. We don't we don't care about that stuff. And then you find out that he was actually holding that number in and ready to hand it to Magic at the right time. Uh, exactly. Amazing plot twist. Exactly. That's just like that is that is some like grade A parenting coaching type stuff. Like you hold on to information until the people that rely on you need you to motivate them the most. And then like, that is just some grade A stuff. And like, I mean, it's just mastermind. Yeah. I would say Pat Riley is my, like my favorite character of this series. He's just, he has that killer instinct and you could, you could see it already as as an assistant coach. Uh, it, It just separates him from, Paul Westhead, at least how Paul Westhead is portrayed in the show, where he's a little more timid and he's doing uh, sonnets at halftime to inspire the team. And Pat just jumps in and says, let's go kick some ass. And then everyone gets going. So I really liked uh, Adrian Brody in the show. Oh, yeah. Their chemistry is hilarious. And I think it's intentional. You know, you have the one guy who's a little more philosophical and spiritual and kind of goes with the calm ways to motivate people. And then you have the guy who just kind of brings the the rowdiness right behind him. It's kind of like that good, good mix. It's like the the meat and the sizzle, I would say, something like that. Yeah, but, I just well, I'm not sure how big of a fan I was of and Jason Siegel, right? Um, His I, I just 
some of the stuff he would do and say were just so awkward and some of the other the way the other actors looked as if they were receiving him whether they were meant to be portrayed as like awkward and like will this guy shut up or not like it just it, it just seemed like force like it's one of the those were one of the few cringe moments i had in the show like when he gives it, speeches it, and like yeah it, it almost it, i do feel like they are teasing what eventually happens to Paul Westhead. And, you know, we've already broken the spoiler. If anyone knows the history behind what happens here, it is, you know, kind of leading toward there. They're kind of teasing his downfall, I think. So I think they're putting that, that groundwork in early now. That's, that's how I perceived it. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff like that in the show that kind of, this is really my only gripe with this show that bothered me. There's some stuff that is just too on the nose, teasing to the future. Like there's stuff with David Stern in the very last episode where they're like, we can't find the commissioner. David, can you set up the trophy ceremony and all this? Cause we know he's eventually going to become the commissioner of the league. There's just weird teases like that. That didn't do it for me. At the same time though, I find it interesting that this show was only really ever displayed or I guess pitched or teased as like a one-off one season thing. And it wasn't until halfway through the season we knew it was going to be getting a second season. But I also love like the audacity of TV shows to just like put things like that in there to tease future seasons that aren't even confirmed yet. Like I think I, it just shows how, how yeah, confident I, they were. I think yeah, I think confidence plays in there. I think they're playing off a of nostalgia. They're they're giving a wink to true basketball fans. Oh hey, look. That's David Stern, and oh, oh, wait, you know what happens to the future of Paul Westhead. So it's, I think it's kind of a wink and a nod to to the basketball fans who know the history of what's going to happen here. So I think that's it. But also, yeah, I, I also believe that they knew this was going to be a hit and that it was just almost a guarantee they were getting a second season. Because after the success of the Michael Jordan documentary, you knew that when this show was teased, people were going to watch this. But yeah. I mean, did you? Because like, there's there's a lot of stuff like this. That, I mean, not like this exactly, but there's a lot of sports documentaries and stuff that goes out that doesn't do extremely well. Um, and to its, I mean, as a con to it, like we mentioned before, there's a lot of players that are portrayed in this show that don't like it at all. And I mean, to be fair, like I think, and I mentioned in a previous podcast of Jeff, I the fact that um. Oh man, I'm, why am I? Jerry West is complaining about the way he's portrayed. Seems like a very Jerry West thing to do after <laughs> watching the show. Like it, like it, it seems on par with his character. But like at the same time, like whenever you do have so many people that lived it that are still alive that are saying like this sucks or I don't like the way this is portrayed. You're not even talking to the real Lakers. Like you have to wonder, like, did they know this is going to be a hit? Yeah, and then you have Magic Johnson coming out with his own documentary where he's saying the real truth or something on Amazon, I think. Yeah. So there's a lot of players that have spoken out against this show. Obviously, they made changes, but I mean, there are some stuff that I questioned. There's the end of episode nine when uh, Spencer Haywood orders a hit against the Lakers. I... I didn't know if that was real life or not. And then there's the end of the the final episode when David Stern decides that instead of giving Kareem, who was voted finals MVP, the MVP trophy, he's just going to straight up give it to Magic Johnson. So there's a lot of stuff that is definitely questionable. Oh, and, and, and obviously, and we mentioned before, just kind of how they're 
pretty much portraying the Boston Celtics as as straight up villains in a way too. And let's be honest here, Hollywood is very guilty of being very historically inaccurate and over dramatizing a lot of television shows and movies. So yeah, I mean, it is the responsibility of the viewer to take everything they are watching with a grain of salt and do their own research because it's it's probably not a hot take to say that a lot of this was inaccurate or just flat out false. And you've kind of got to do your own research to to confirm or deny that. And, you know, we mentioned that when we did the Ford versus Ferrari episode, Jeff, where you were saying that Ford had to separate themselves from the movie because of how one of the Ford executives was portrayed as a villain. Yeah, it's a it's a similar thing here. Uh, it I think it bothered me more this time around is because I know a lot about uh, the history of basketball. It's just it was too on the nose, but I can get past it, and I still love this series. Yeah, the show's still very good. I just I'm wondering, you know, maybe what do you guys think? But like with Magic Johnson's own documentary coming out. Do you think that this may struggle along? Because Laker fans are, I mean, they're the Dallas Cowboy fans of the NBA, the New York Yankee fans of the NBA. Like, they're they're hostile. And if they end up liking Magic Johnson's, Magic's a lot more. Like, do you think this one, the show ends up um, struggling in some of the ratings or maybe the way the reception it is in future seasons? I don't think so. I just think this show is such a hit now. Whatever I mean, Jerry West came out against the show and nothing happened. I think this is this train is moving along for sure. Yeah, it's too entertaining. The quality is too good. It's hard to stop the momentum of a great TV show if it keeps being great. I don't think that the documentary is going to stop this this show whatsoever. But are we ready to rank our favorite characters? Because this should be interesting. There are a lot to choose from here and you could go any way or another um, do we want to start with our favorites? Yeah, we could run through top fives real quick. Um, yeah, and I, I guess I can start just off the top of my head. I'm going to go Pat Riley as number one. I really liked his, just his progression throughout the series of a, a guy who had just retired and didn't know what he wanted to do with his life to being just this this killer at the end as an assistant coach on the edge of becoming uh, one of the greatest coaches of all time. Number two is going to be Magic Johnson, uh, Quincy Isaiah. Just a great overall performance throughout the series. Jerry Buss is going to be number three. And I love him so much at the beginning of the series. That's how strong the top half of this cast is. Four is going to be uh, Kareem. And five is going to be Jerry West, played by Jason Clark. That'll round out my top five. All right, so my number one is going to be Quincy Isaiah. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm in a new setup with my mic, and it keeps falling over. Um, number one for me is going to be a Quincy Isaiah. I cannot speak tonight, guys. Forgive me. Number one is Quincy Isaiah's Magic Johnson. I don't think this show – I don't know if this show does as well without him. I think he's like a perfect – he's a perfect – I don't know if foil's the word for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but um, he's just – he he bounces off every other actor and like, you know, going from the big ones to the smaller players in the show. Like, and I think I never had an issue with the chemistry he brought on the scene. John C. Riley is Jerry Buss as mentioned. And I, I think I have him really close to just um, Solomon Hughes as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, 
I think all three of those could really be number one because those were just the three best. Um, and then, of course, as you mentioned, Pat Riley and um, actually uh, Hadley Robinson as Jeannie Buss. I, I I think she brought a lot of emotion in the later episodes that was much needed that um, when grandmother um, Buss died. So I'm going to go, uh, and I was kind of struggling with how my top three was going to go, but I think I'm going to agree with Jeff and go with Pat Riley at number one. And I think because he had such a radical transformation throughout the show, number one, you've got a, an Oscar winning actor playing him, which always helps. I think Adrian Brody is vastly underrated. And and I remember telling my dad about, it was like, oh yeah, Adrian Brody's playing Pat Riley. He goes, well, that's a pretty phenomenal casting choice. I said, absolutely. And I just love how the show starts off with him just this this washed up, down in the dumps player. He wants to find a way to give back to 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 the game. And he's just really struggling emotionally. And he tries to find he's desperately trying to become a broadcaster, thinking that's his way into the game. And then when he finally gets into coaching, you just see this transformation in him. But it's it, it, and it's like little details too, because you also not only I kind of noticed one thing, the way he's dressed and the way his hair is and his facial hair. When you first meet him at the beginning of the series, you know, his, his clothes are too big for him. Like his hair is all messed up. His eyes, he looks a little just just tired all the time. And then you it's small things. You know, when you see him at that that uh the All-Star Game watch party and he's got tight clothing on, he's really handsome. His hair is groomed and he kind of has that confidence in him and the swagger. And you see him grow so much. As the show continues to go on, you see that confidence. You see this guy has found his thing. And you realize this guy was destined to be a professional basketball coach. And I just love the transformation and how he just gains this confidence from beginning to end. And I thought it was just such a complete character arc. And I can't wait to see where this character is going to go in the future. So that's why he's number one for me. Number two, Kareem, because I think he also had the complete character arc from going from just you know, kind of phoning it in, knowing his accomplishments, sticking to his routine to the guy who's taping up his his damaged ankle at, at halftime just so he can make it back to carry his team to victory and how how he just is become has this strong relationship with magic that grows throughout the show. Absolutely phenomenal. Um I was tempted to put Jerry Buss at number three, but I think I'm putting Jerry West at number three just because for some reason, every scene he's in is just so entertaining and so much fun. And I think that Jason Clark, like Adrian Brody, is a really, really, really underrated actor. And and I was so happy that he got this role as playing this iconic figure in basketball. So I can't wait to see where we get into the, the Jerry West front office storylines in season two. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Um uh, Jerry Buss will be number four for all the reasons you guys stated. And I can't believe I'm putting Quincy Isaiah at number five as Magic Johnson because he really was phenomenal and I think carried the show in so many cases. And and we're talking about the actor who had the most pressure on him. I mean, a lot of these other other uh, cast members were were established with with very strong resumes. This guy was kind of an unknown coming into this series, but I think um He's about to be a big time household name in the near future. Yeah, with that much charisma, you can't hold that guy back. He, I, I could see him being in everything soon, and I, I'm all here for it. 
Yeah, he's got superstar. And how old is he? I got to check this now. You know, long 26 years old, according to newsunzip.com. This is only the second role he's had. That's crazy. Holy crap. Insane. Yeah. But when you talk about somebody stepping up to the plate, that's impressive. Yeah, for sure. All right. So we're going to do our final scores, and then we are going to kind of talk about what we want to see in season three and kind of, I guess, map out where we want the show to go from here. So uh, we'll start with final scores. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. So this is an all-star. I, I, this is a great start to a potentially long running series. Uh, I, I think the acting is great. Uh, the basketball action is great when we do get it. There's those little on the nose moments I talked about. That's the only thing holding it back for me, but I am excited to see where we're going to go in season two. I would give it an all-star as well. This was a very strong first season. It was a lot of fun. Some tremendous performances, as we've already said. Uh, Really strong writing, really strong character arcs. And there are some that I feel like we're just getting started. Like I said, the Jerry West going into the front office angle. I cannot wait to see where that's going to go. And I cannot wait to see how they're going to do this coach's drama down the road where Pat Riley is going to eventually become the head coach of the Lakers. Yeah, and I, there's a lot of drama that goes on with this team in the next few years, so I can't even imagine what way they're going to go with it. Um, it's an all-star for me, borderline Hall of Fame. Actually, the only – like there's a storyline that just annoys me so much that I can't put in a Hall of Fame for myself, um, and it's the end where they try to get Spencer Haywood – they try to convince a Spencer Haywood put out a hit on the team. Um, from what I, and I, I'm, I know there's a lot of stuff that's inaccurate here, but it just feels like a jump going from like suspended and pissed off to like actually released from the team and trying to threaten them with like a hit squad. Um, it just felt like a little too much for me with the TV stuff. But other than that, like this is a great show. I mean, look, you guys talked about Quincy Adam Quincy and how young he is. And um, the fact that he, to me is the, one of the best actors, if not the best actor in the show. Um, there's so many great storylines. I don't, other than that one thing, I don't think there's a wasted storyline in the show. Um, more than deserving of an all-star rating. Well, especially when you're trying to, you, you, they actually found a way to get the entire team involved, which is so impressive too. So yeah, I mean, like, I mean, hour long episodes, about a 10, 10 episode series. That's, that's a lot of how many episodes was it? Nine, correct? Nine or 10? 10 episode series. Okay. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of airtime to fill there, but to utilize it and get as many characters kind of involved as possible, I thought was they, they really did manage their, their minutes really well here. Yeah. It was a very impressive juggling act. And you just saw that from our top five. There, there were so many characters we didn't even get to like, Mm -hmm. I mean, Jack McKinney was a strong character and we didn't touch on him much. It's, a great series. What were there any characters you did not like? I mean, Jason Siegel, Gerald kind of touched on. I like Jason Siegel. He is kind of whiny in the show. And from what I read, he wasn't really like that in real life. Paul Westhead. Um, so he bothered me a little bit. Other than that, I mean, I, I think the it was the, a pretty the strong red, cast. The Red Auerbach character is kind of questionable for me. I just feel like 
I don't know. They're just, he's just a stereotypical, like egotistical villain, which I think is just a little unfair considering this is arguably the best basketball coach of all, or maybe even just best coach in any sport period of all time. Uh, I think they could have maybe done a little bit more than just making him a cigar smoking trash talker, you know? Yeah. A lot of the Celtics, honestly, were cartoon characters. <laughs> yeah. Like just the Larry Bird. Larry Bird bothered me too. Yeah, I mean, the the Celtics were very, I mean, like, the show was legit telling us, like, what was it, three or four times? The Celtics were portrayed as the dark side. They were the Sith. Um, There was nothing good about them. Larry Bird, no matter how nice of a guy he may or may not have been, he was always going to look like that, that just, I'm stuck to my roots, and I'm a bad person, and I'm evil, and I'm the bad guy um, type deal. And same with Red. Um, I think, I mean, they legit told us in the dinner with us with Stern at the end with Magic Johnson telling him like you're Luke Skywalker that's Darth Vader go kill him um <laughs> so like I, I it, it's a little bit annoying I agree but it's not something to me that like I hated um or didn't like like I said with Jason Siegel's character for a guy who just walked out and won an NBA championship I still don't see how that team like rallied around him um at the end you know, because there was never a moment where it felt like the team was fully behind, like him as a coach. Um, even not they, even they, really behind Pat. Really, I mean, and Pat obviously, like you saw it more, um, and he was a lot better of it. It's just like, how the hell did they get to a championship league with this guy leading them when it didn't seem like this team was even behind him? Whenever it was time to bring back old coach from the bike accident, the team wasn't standing up for him, and that was halfway through the season. Well, and I think that was kind of, I I think they wanted to tease that there was a strong temptation to bring back Jack McKinney here. And, you know, and I think, I think a lot of guys have spoken out over the years and kind of said that Jack McKinney deserves a lot of credit for, for building that championship team in a short period of time. And it is, it is a crazy thing to think that a team with uh, an interim head coach and one of their star players being a rookie did what they did. And, and I think it is really an impressive thing. I was, you know, shocked that I was, I, you know, when I first found out that it was magic Johnson's rookie season, when the, the showtime Lakers really started to dynasty really started was, was shocking to me. And so to kind of see it unfold, it was, was crazy. So there's, there's a lot of craziness that comes with this story. So where do we think season two do we, do we go to the second season of the team or do we kind of flip-flop around history here and and maybe take it a couple years down the road? I think it really depends how many seasons they want to go. But where, where do you think they should pick season two up? I, I think they have to pick it up right afterwards. Um, I think there's too much immediate drama that they left on the table for us to just skip over and be like, oh, well, this is how it broke out. You know, I mean, how is Kareem going to handle the fact that like, the person that he decided to open up to and trust and actually care for just took the award. He was called saying it was going to be his, um, like what is the rest of the NBA going to do? How is, how are the Lakers going to be able to survive? They're out of debt now, but like, are they going to be able to make a profit? Is it going to stay that way? Um, I think it has to go at least for the next season directly into the next year. Yeah. My, my the thing that I am looking forward to is the drama that's going to unfold between Pat Riley and Paul Westhead, because I I read up on Wikipedia. I finally spoiled real life for myself, and 
it sounds like this is going to be like a crazy ride, especially because Magic Johnson in real life started to sour on Paul Westhead. And then Pat was pulled into the middle of it. So to see that unfold, I think is going to be very, very strong. Yes. And just kind of reading the history of it, you know, it, it, it seems like they'll probably have to, if they're going to do three seasons, it'll, they'll have to focus on the first three years of this team because the story kind of what writes itself, you know, they're, they're not going to win the next year. The Celtics win in 81, 82, the Lakers win the Pat Riley. But here's the thing. They don't face the Celtics in the championship till Pat Riley's third season. And that is when they have the, they go to the finals three seasons in a row and the third one, they, they, they play the Celtics finally. So I could see maybe a situation they do the first three seasons of the Lakers dynasty, but then they jump to 1984 for the fourth season. And we finally get the championship uh, series where we have magic versus bird in the NBA finals. Yeah, we we have to get the Celtics and the Lakers. It's just been teased too much. Uh, They've made the, the Celtics almost like Thanos in this basketball universe where everything is leading towards this one villain. So it has to happen. You got to give it to us, even if there's a time jump, like Ryan said. Yeah. And I think that's the crazy thing for me, kind of, you know, when I did some studying on the history was how long it actually took for the Celtics and the Lakers to finally meet in the finals. I mean, both team had a ring by that point and, it wasn't it wasn't immediate let's just put it that way but we've already kind of built up this rivalry on screen so i don't know how long they want to wait to get to that yeah get get it get it to me fast that's what i say <laughs> all right we got anything else we want to add on winning time uh not for me I'm I'm just looking forward to season two. Uh, I'm guess and I guess too we can conclude this show with uh, Michael Jordan defeating the Lakers in the championship. Does that make sense? Yes, one hundred percent. I want Michael Jordan in this show. <laughs> well, we've got a lot of time to cover here. We've got how many years worth of basketball here? Who plays Michael ni- Jordan till nineteen ninety one? Who plays Michael Jordan at this if point? Pick, yeah. Oh, it's going to be a, a young up and comer. Just like they did with Quincy Isaiah. I mean, the reality is he's going to be a B character. And it's got to be someone who looks young enough to play, what was he, 25 at the time? What if we just put in Michael B. Jordan? I, <laughs> he's, too old. he's too old. He's probably damn yeah. too old at this point. Well, yeah, because it'll be like season five or something. when they, I mean, yeah, Maybe it'll even be later, later than that. So it'll be later when we finally get Michael Jordan. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I think the it's a, to make it that far. Yeah, that's true. I, I I think the kid who's going to play Michael Jordan is probably in high school right now. Exactly, probably. or he's in college. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like like we it, the show has to make it that far. Unfortunately, with streaming shows, like they get canceled a lot. You know, um, we see it all the time on Netflix. We, I mean, they've we've seen it less on HBO Max, Amazon, or Hulu, and other stuff. But they get canceled all the time. So even no matter how good they are, how bad they are. <laughs> So hopefully the show can make it and continue to churn out content the way it did this year. But, um, you know, hoping for all that in five years, it's, it's a lot, I think. And if they want to keep 
the quality cast they have, they're going to have to keep dishing out the dollars for that because exactly. I was shocked how many quality actors we got in this one. I can yeah. only imagine when when you're going to have to bring more high profile people into the show. Yeah. Uh, what you're going to have to do here. I mean, just look at the two that we've all been raving about in John C. Riley and Adrian Brody. I mean, they're both movie stars. I mean, in their own rights, right? I mean, keeping them on pace on to do a TV show for that long is might be a little hard. But we just see at least how season two turns out and if they're able to turn this into a long-standing series. Yeah, I mean, you got Michael Shilkis playing Red Auerbach, and he's not even in the show that often. So... Or Michael Sh- Michael Shickless, sorry, said his name wrong. But yeah, I mean, you got so many quality people like playing playing C level characters, honestly, and and to to keep a cast like that together, that's not cheap. So, well, this was our review of Winning Time: The Rise of the Los Angeles Lakers Dynasty. Make sure to check out boxofficequarterbacks.com catch up on some reviews, watch some of our previous shows and follow us on social media as Jeff continues to post very entertaining memes to our Instagram account. <laughs> I just posted a moon night one not too long ago. Go check it out. Oh, and uh, me and my friend Ahmed are actually getting ready to finish up a show called yellow jackets. And we're going to do some writing on the review board for that. So you guys can keep an eye on that. Hopefully we'll have that out in the next week too. Absolutely. Stay tuned. We're looking forward to it. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Good Friends and Real Talk, and we will see you later.